Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. wanting to do is something very very simple I think and that is to help them to understand who the Heavenly Father is who 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 they can trust in this situation so so hopefully as a parent you've been talking to them about the Lord hopefully as a parent in a sense you've been preparing them for 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 the fact that life is difficult that we go through trials and that then you're falling back on that knowledge of who God is. Not a glib answer, not an easy explanation, but a kind of a, well, let me tell you even more about the Lord. Let me tell you more about Jesus, because, you know, Jesus is God with a human face. Jesus comes amongst us. Jesus is is God with skin on. Jesus weeps at the tomb of his friend. Jesus feels compassion. Jesus is God amongst us. So, So whereas kids can understand the concept as God as Father, they even more can, can see Jesus as, as, as God amongst us coming and, and, and as it were embracing us and putting his arm around us. So at whatever level they're able to cope with, you've got to bring them back to, to the, the nature, the character of who God is. Hello, welcome to the Faith in Parents podcast. My name is Ed Drew. I'm the Ministry Director at Faith in Kids, and this is part of our Who Am I series, where we're looking at identity. Amy, how are you? I'm great, Ed. The The day has arrived when my house is empty. No one is off sick. People are back at school. It's just me. Hallelujah. Great. Amy, just tell us uh, how we're doing on this Who Am I series. Where are we up to? What are we looking at today? Well, we've been through some of the stuff in our series that we wrote. We started off with being made, um, how we're made, that we're made for a relationship, that we're given a body. And now we're thinking about what about the things that go wrong in the world? What about when it's hard? What about when it's tough? What about when there are tears? How is our identity affected by being people that hurt and that struggle? And we're joined to help us with this journey, which I think is a slightly intimidating podcast. Paul Mallard, thank you so much for being with us. Paul, could you introduce yourself a bit? Where are you? How are you? What are you doing? 
Uh, yeah, hello. Good morning. Yeah, I'm I'm actually in Bath at the moment. I've been a pastor here in Bath for the last eight years, but I've just retired. So uh, moving back to my roots as soon as possible, which is the beautiful city of Birmingham. I'm married to Edry. We've been married for 43 years. I've got uh, four kids and eight grandkids. And I've been in pastoral ministry now um, exactly 40 years. So so um, I started off as a teacher for a little while uh, and then was called to be a pastor. And I pastored down in the in the West Country, then back up in the Midlands and then back down here in, in Bath, as I say, for the last eight years. And Paul, I'm particularly excited to have a guest on the podcast who, who has a more northern accent. <laughs> and I am delighted that you are coming home. There is, I don't know if you knew this, there's a line across the middle of the UK that, that starts at Birmingham and above Birmingham. So you're in, you're in. We're all, we're all great. In my opinion, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my accent is is not is not classic black country, so I, you know, I, I it's not like people in Dudley, but uh, it, it's it's <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty brummy. I, I was I was behind a couple of girls in a in a in a, a supermarket once, and they were chatting together. Um, in Dudley, this was, and they were talking about this boy who'd just come into their school, and he was just brilliant. You know, he's Boston, and he's really nice. He's really lovely, <laughs> but he's a bit posh, isn't he? Oh yes, he's really posh. He's got an accent just as if he's come from Wolverhampton. <laughs> so, 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 um, so there you go. There you go. Ed, we're, we're, let, I, we're letting you in. We're letting you in today. I've, I've Thank been, you very much. Thank you very much. You've got a pass. Uh, Paul, uh, we're, we're thrilled you could be with us. We um, we hounded you for a long time and you've been busy speaking in various places and you are you are still busy. Paul, you've, um, you've written a book called Invest Your Suffering and it feels like that's the topic we're talking about today, which is how does a particularly a Christian parent try to process suffering and hurt. Could you tell us a bit about how that book came to be written? Yeah, I mean, I, I, as I mentioned earlier, I've been married to my wife, Edry, for 43 years. And um, she was my, not quite childhood sweetheart, but, but you know, we, we were at the same, we went to the same church. We, we went to, she went to the boys' grammar, a girls' grammar school, I went to the boys' grammar school. So I'd known her forever, really. And, and Edry was very healthy, very fit, uh, et cetera, et cetera, until 30 years ago. And she was pregnant with our, our last child, Emmaus, little girl. During the pregnancy, she became violently sick and then she became worse. She lost her balance and they had to admit her to hospital. And long story short, she started up in, in in nose and throat to find out what was causing the imbalance, thought it was the inner ear, ended up in neurology. And uh, remember at the time, she's eight and a half months pregnant. And then she became seriously, a long, long story short, it was diagnosed as multiple sclerosis. And I can remember the day when when the doctor had to take me aside and he said to me, look, you know, we're, we're not sure she's going to get through this. I mean, the pregnancy, along with this this huge attack on her central nervous system, she's really, you know, you just need to understand how ill your wife really is. I remember going home and um, the following day, my daughter, who was about four or five at the time, asked me to, to comb her hair. So so we kind of sat on the stairs. She's a little bit lower down. I'm a bit further up. And I'm kind of take the, the comb. Um, I've not got great experience in combing people's hair. So I'm sort of macheting away at her hair. 
and suddenly she bursts into tears. Daddy, you're hurting me. And at that point, I burst into tears as well. It was just too much. And she sort of says, look, what's wrong, Daddy? Why, you know, why are you so upset? And I said, I just want Mummy back. I just want her back. And you know, parents often try and hide things from their kids. And, and there's wisdom in that. I mean, kids don't need to know everything. But they're, 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 more, they're more sensitive than you imagine. They pick things up. They, they can see things. And, and to keep them in the dark and to tell them nothing is even more terrifying, isn't it? You know, what on earth is happening? And so, you know, all sorts of levels of suffering that, that, that go, we go through as parents, you know, we don't share everything with our kids. And at different ages, we said more to the boys who were about 10 and 11, I guess, at the time, than we would to Kez, who was five. But, you know, so, so, so I can remember uh, that night going to bed. And, you know, you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and you know you're not going to sleep again. You're tossing and turning and et cetera, et cetera. And then suddenly, I can't remember the time, but it was in the early hours of the morning. Suddenly this verse came into my mind. It's not even a whole verse. It's part of a verse. As for God, his way is perfect. And it's difficult to describe, but suddenly my heart was just filled with absolute peace. Because part of the problem with suffering is that you want to control it, you want to be in, in charge, you want to be in control, and you're not. And you want to understand it, and you can't. And you want to see the end, and sometimes you, you, you don't see the end. But you trust God. And, you, and, and I remember, you know, suddenly this peace, and I went to sleep. And the next day I shared it with Edry, and we prayed, Lord, we don't want to waste this. Whatever we're going through, we want there to be a purpose in it. And so... She, she obviously um, got a little bit better. She's been in a wheelchair for 30 years. She has long-term problems, but, but we've seen it as a, as a means of ministering. So that's a long story, isn't it? <laughs> Writing the book is part of the response to, Lord, we don't want to waste this. We want to see all the things that happen in our lives as part of your plan and that even in this, we can we can share what the Lord has, has, has done in our lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul talks about um, God pouring in suffering and then pouring in comfort. And the comfort that pours into our lives then, then kind of works out through us into the lives of other people so that we can comfort people with the comfort that we've received. So, so that really has, has, has been part and parcel of, of my experience in the last 30 years. Paul... Um, I mean, everything you've said there is 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 so incredible. Uh, I just I just want you to take me through it a little bit a little bit slower. I need to hear things twice. Uh, so just tell me again. You are your wife is pregnant. She's in hospital, eight and a half months pregnant, and you've yeah. just been given a crushing diagnosis. Um, it's your fourth child on the way. You have three at home. A little girl who's who's five. And two older boys. Yep, yep. That's okay. it. That's it. So that that is the situation where the rug has been totally pulled out from under your feet as a family. You've got a, a ministry as a pastor, and you've the the needs of those people around you are so crushing. You're doing the back and tutor hospital. You're trying to brush your daughter's hair, presumably feed your sons, get people to school, all of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, what what one day I sent my daughter to school with icing sugar. 
and uh, stuffing from a from a from a chicken because it's all that we'd got in the fridge. And I happened to get uh, uh, the uh, lady at the school gate who was from the church discovered that, um, and and from then onwards, our church supplied food every day. So so there you go, there you go. To 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 be fair, I said to her, "What do you want?" She said, "I love stuffing and I love icing sugar." So, <laughs> so, so you it, just it, went with that. That's a fix. She could she could have had a tin of cold beans, but but you know she she's turned her nose up at that. But you know, yeah yeah. I mean, wow. we we had amazing support from the church. Yeah. But yeah yeah. I mean, there's there's physical things and then there's emotional things, aren't yeah. there? And so it's it's a bit yeah. it's a bit of both. Really, that that um, you have to work through. So you're sitting on the the stairs. You're brushing your daughter's hair. She bursts into tears. Dad, you're hurting me. How do you help your daughter? So you've talked about how you understand and and how your faith has made a difference. How do you help her? Because I can see that to me just dominoes back. You're a mm. loving father. You're brushing your daughter's hair. She bursts into tears. So you want to stop her from hurting. And you've got an answer because you've got a faith that you are trusting God in your suffering. How do you share that to her? Because it must feel like, well, as a loving father, you want you don't want to cause her pain. So therefore, just rally it back one more. You get to turn to the Heavenly Father yeah, behind yeah, you and yeah. say, stop, it's hurting. Yeah. yeah. Well, the first thing to say, and I think I kind of hinted that a bit earlier, is you have to be honest with kids at the level at which they can cope. Okay, so so I think we I, I took my I took my two sons aside and said much more to them than I I said to my daughter because a five year old can take so much. The boys were a bit so so that's the first thing. But but you have to be on, and the worst thing you can do is to pretend. Um, I I think we do that all the time in church. We put on a mask. We we pretend things are well when they're not. But it's the same with our kids. Now, now again, there's a, there's a fine line here, isn't there? Life is difficult. And all of us go through times of difficulty. We have problems in our marriages sometimes. And, you know, there are marital disagreements. Uh, we have problems with our finances, problems. Of work. You know, so, so life is full of pain. And there are some things that it's wise not to share with your kids. Okay, so 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 we're not play acting, but we are being very careful. But then when, when it comes to things that, that are unavoidable and, and they know, they see, I mean, the fact that mum's in hospital, the fact that we're going over there every day, now you, you've got to face some of those issues. Now, I don't think I, I obviously didn't blurt out whether the doctor said that mummy might never come home. I didn't, I didn't say that. But I did share with her a certain level of truth. I think the other thing I, I shared with her, and I think this is important, is not a pat answer. Well, God's in charge, so don't worry, sweetheart. I mean, that's that, you know, people have said all sorts of things to me as well that have been just pat answers. Everything's fine. Uh, it, it's very interesting that in the Bible, there are at least 50 of the Psalms that are laments. Okay. And a lament begins with an honest confession before God of a feeling of, of I don't get this, Lord. I don't understand this. I don't know what's going on here. I, I can't get my mind around this. And it, it often moves through from there, telling God how you feel, to asking for God's help, to coming to some comfort in the Lord. But it's a process. 
So, so the, the worst thing you can do for a child is to give them a glib answer. What you're wanting to do is something very, very simple, I think, and that is to help them to understand who the Heavenly Father is, who, who, who they can trust in this situation. So, so hopefully, as a parent, you've been talking to them about the Lord. Hopefully, as a parent, in a sense, you've been preparing them for, for, for the fact that life is difficult, that we go through trials, and that then you're falling back on that knowledge of who God is. Not a glib answer, not an easy explanation, but a kind of a, well, let me tell you even more about the Lord. Let me tell you more about Jesus, because, you know, Jesus is God with a human face. Jesus comes amongst us. Jesus is, is God with skin on. Jesus weeps at the tomb of his friend. Jesus feels compassion. Jesus is God amongst us. So, so whereas kids can understand the concept as God as father, they even more can, can see Jesus as, as, as God amongst us coming and, and, and as it were, embracing us and putting his arm around us. So at whatever level they're able to cope with, you've got to bring them back to, to the, the nature, the character of who God is. You've called your book Invest Your Suffering. And I, I'm guessing that's an element of where, as Christians, we, th- we think there is something happening in suffering that might not happen otherwise. We think there is growth there. We think there is a chance to believe. There is a chance to depend on God. Is, is that the story with children? Do you, do you think, for instance, in your family, you can see that this played a part in their faith? Were there conversations you remember? Yeah, yeah, because I think, I mean, all of the elements that you talk about, if you're talking to adults or you're preaching on the subject of suffering, all of them come in some dimension with, with, with kids. So, so at, the very, at the very bottom level, irrespective of whether they're Christians or not, they understand that life is difficult. And one of the things that, that I remember one of, one, of the, um, one of the teachers saying to, to my attend me a parents evening was you know your, your kids your sons they were both at the same school your sons seem to be more sensitive to, to suffering because they've been there they've seen it so 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 that that's one element on it I, I can remember times of sitting down with the kids and trying to explain uh, and, you know the, the I mean if you like the the ABC of suffering you know we live in a broken world this is not the world that God made in the first place the world that we look around us is full of beauty, but it's not as it should be. We, and yet God still cares. God hasn't deserted the world. He could have, he could have washed his hands, but instead he's rolled up his sleeves. He's come amongst us. And, and there's a purpose in pain. I mean, the purpose in pain is, is seen if you look at the cross. The cross is the, is the greatest expression of suffering you can possibly imagine. And yet within it, God has a purpose. And then, of course, you speak about hope and heaven and i can remember a conversation where where i think it was my i think it was my second son we were talking about mum and you know it was a couple of years down the line and the hope was that when the baby was born mum would get better and of course she never did she was very fit before that but now she can't walk across the room she has to be in a wheelchair so on and and i remember one of my sons saying but of course dad when mum gets to heaven and when she gets a new body, then she'll be able to run. And I said, she sure will. You know, that's, that's, you know, so, so I think, I think there are no different truths for children. I guess that I'm saying there's no, there's no special set of truths that are appropriate to kids. It's all the same truth, but you're trying to present it in a way that they will understand. You're trying to get them back to the, to the foundation of, of scripture because the Bible 
Um, it's interesting when I came to write the book, one of the things that I, I did was to kind of take the Bible from beginning to end and trying to kind of search through it. And it's all about suffering from the beginning to the end. And there are books that are designated like Job and Ecclesiastes. But every place in the Bible is dealing with and giving some answer to the fact that, look, the world is broken, but one day it's going to get better. So all of those great truths, you take them and you 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 teach them to your kids and you do it in a way which which is appropriate to their age and, and understandings. So, Paul, um, I would say I've sat with my own children around the dinner table at home and there's been tears as we've talked about what's what's going on. And I think... There is a thing that it's we need to talk about this stuff at home. So all the things that you've talked about is this is this is how where the rubber hits the road of in life the principles that we hear about on Sunday the Bible that we get to know the rubber hits the road in life when there are tears and when there are heartbreak in the home that we start to talk about it here and I think sometimes it is just that how do we get past how do we just even start and I think I found for my own kids that being, as you've just said, about being honest about saying, we wish it wasn't this way. The thing that we're struggling with, we wish it wasn't this way. And that just opening them up to say, we wish this this tough thing that we're going through would stop. I, I hate it. Yeah, I wish yeah, it wasn't this yeah, way. Yeah. And they found it so comforting to hear that, you know, God says me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God wishes it wasn't this way. The suffering that we're going through breaks his heart and it was never part of his plan. That just opens up a conversation that God is actually safe to talk to about the things that we don't like. Yeah. It wasn't his, you know, he's not this distant character that's disinterested. He's safe to talk to and he has a purpose in what he's doing and it's a and it's good and we can trust him. And when you as parents are having that conversation with the same bewildered look on your face of we don't quite know how, but we'd still just have to trust him and love him. And we ha- we can ask him to help us because he gets it. And we can look forward to the day when things are made made right, but we can also expect his, his help now. And I think it is about being honest about your own faith and your own heart and your own struggles that you're letting them in on that yeah. story. Yeah, I mean, what, 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 a couple of things on that. First thing is we're not supposed to enjoy it. So, so the the glibest thing that people say is, you know, Romans eight twenty eight, God works all things for our good, and you know, there you are, take it away, stop complaining. Well, number one, you know, the Bible doesn't stop complaining; people lament, so you're allowed to do that. Number two, number two, Romans eight twenty eight does not say that you're supposed to enjoy the suffering. It's not suffering is not good. Suffering is horrible. So you want to say to your kids, you hate that, well, so do I. So, so you know, when when I when I see my wife in pain, because part of the problem is, as, as as she's got older, one of the manifestations has been pain. This is not an exaggeration. We've had something like a decade now when she's not had a single night's sleep without waking up with pain, and a, and a good night is once, and a bad night is three or four times. So, 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 do I like that? No, I absolutely despise it. I hate it. I hate it to bits. The point is, what what is good then in Romans 8, 28? What is good is God's purpose. He says in the next verse, he's going to make us like Jesus. That's the good thing. But the pain itself, is we're not supposed to enjoy it. So so giving kids the impression, uh, which we do, you know, stiff up a lip, you're a Christian, or you've got faith, or be strong, or don't, you know, that's, that's not helpful. That is not helpful. What is good 
is God's purpose. And we can know that God is always good. What is not good is the pain itself. If I go to the dentist and I've got a toothache and the dentist pulls out one of my teeth, what do I say? Well, I... Hallelujah. <laughs> That was really, that was re that was a wonderful experience. You know, I've got 32 more. Why don't you go for another one? No, no. <laughs> what happens, the experience itself may not be a good experience, but what happens at the end of it is that the pain's gone. And so what happens, that's a good purpose with a difficult process. And so I think that's one of the things that we've got to say to kids. And, and then, and then therefore, you can take this, you can even take this anger and, and that, that's another reaction. Sometimes that's how kids react. You know, I think my kids, they're very different temperamentally. And some of them would be kind of crushed by it. And others would be really angry with God. You're allowed to take that to the Lord. You're allowed to take that to God. That's what the psalmist often does. Why, oh God, why are you allowing this? And God is big enough to take that, big enough to, to hear, big enough for, to, to understand what we say. He's not going to be put off by what we say. And again, how do we know that? Well, we talk about Christ and we talk about the love of Christ. You know, here is Jesus with God rolling up his sleeves, God coming amongst us. But at the same time, you know, in John three sixteen, how does God know what suffering is like? He's given his own son. You know, God, God, God gave, God loved me and you so much. And, and the direction of love and the reason for the cross starts not with Jesus trying to persuade his father to, to, to rescue us. It starts with the heart of God. God so loved the world. He sent his son. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son as a sacrifice. So here is a God who, who I wouldn't use the word desperate, but, but a God who knows and, is, and he, he wants to embrace you and he wants to put his arms around you. Um, it's a wonderful verse in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 56, where, where, where the psalmist says, you know, God, God remembers your tears. He collects them in his bottle or he writes them in his book. You know, every time we weep, every time we cry, God knows and he writes it down and he's aware of it and, and he's not distant. And so I think encouraging your children to be honest with God is probably the best thing that, that, that you can do. Paul, there's, um, there's, a, there's a thing that happens, I think, as a parent, which is the moments when we pray with our children, which I think feels like a, a Christian way to finish a difficult conversation about suffering. But it, I think it's also really difficult because when we pray with our children, listening to our prayers, we're aware that, first of all, they're going to hear what we ask for and they're going to find out if it happens or not. Yeah. So there's an element of we're just aware it's a risk. Prayer is a risk, particularly with your children, yeah. because they're, well, look, why would we keep trusting? Why do we even keep asking? Yeah, yeah. C yeah. Could you help us a bit with, Paul, what, what, what can a parent pray with their child listening in these tears? Well, I think the first thing to say is, of course, you pray for relief from the pain or relief from the, I mean, should we pray for healing? Of course we should. The problem is, and, and maybe our kids aren't exposed to this, but, but maybe they will be. There's a whole kind of theology out there is that, that Christians should never suffer and that Christians should never be in pain. And, and somehow, if you, if you had enough faith, then, then you could get over this. So in the end, the only reason why people don't get healed, we take a healing as an example, is so they don't have a faith. And, and there's a kind of an unconscious thought there. If only I could believe a little bit more. Now, during the time that Edry was ill, 
we, we had people come to us and you know wonderful Christians who supported, and then others who who said all sorts of bizarre things. You know, the only reason that that your wife is sick is because she's sinful. But the, but the other thing the other thing is the other thing is and and and, and to be honest. <laughs> people are well-meaning often and they kind of say well you know if only you could have a bit more faith and so you know you get this impression that that it's 85 percent level of faith will get the healing and i'm up to 83 percent or 84 percent if i just push over the top then we'll get there and we'll get our healing the point is that god does not guarantee healing and so i mean this is all about prayer because do i pray god i claim my healing no and do I pray, Lord, this is a difficult situation. We pray that you would change it. And therefore, you know, because we're Christians and we've just got enough faith, you're going to change it. And we need to help our kids to understand that praying for something doesn't necessarily mean that we get what we want. OK, um, C.S. Lewis once said that one of the great joys in heaven will be to see how many times God actually said no to a prayer request and we'll understand that the reason God said no at the time we didn't get it but God did so and, and God knew what he was doing so so how is it how is it that we pray with our kids and we pray for something we've got to teach them that that prayer is not like putting money in a slot and getting the answer automatically we've got to teach them that actually I mean that it's a it's a it's a very very difficult lesson for adults to learn never mind kids because the way kids, you know, well, I pray with my grandkids and, that, you know, what do you want to pray for? And and very often it's thing, you know, my hamster is sick. Well, you know, or, or you know, and, and it's big to them. I mean, that's the other thing about kids. What may seem small to us may seem huge to them. You know, I'm being bullied at school or this or that or the other. My friend, their mum and dad is, are getting divorced. And that's a big thing in their life because their friends are hurting. So we can't pray, Lord take this away, make this, I mean, and, and say that's definitely going to happen. We should pray into the situation. We should pray for God's help to deal with it. One of the things that I think, because Edrie and I had prayed this prayer, we'd prayed, Lord, help this not to be wasted. One of the things that we try to say to our kids is, look, Lord, even if you let this thing happen, we pray, number one, that it might not drive us from you, but it drive us to you. It help us to get you to know you better, Lord, and Lord, bring out some good things from this, even if we might not see them or not, not like them or not understand them. Now, it's difficult for us to pray, never mind our kids, but being authentic in prayer, I think, means being much more nuanced than just, Lord, I, I just expect to be healed now. There you go. I mean, I, I, I know whether that's a bit of a rambling answer, but, but I think being honest, being nuanced, um, and helping helping even in the prayer to say, Lord, help us to see good things coming out of this. My, uh, I prayed with my, my daughter was praying this week. She was, she's, we've been going through a bit of a tough time as a family. There's a situation we would love to change and we don't see change happening. And uh, she asked me if her faith wasn't big enough and whether she should be fasting as well, because they'd talked about fasting in school. And that if God hadn't answered her prayers because she wasn't trying hard enough and she should fast too. And to be able to say to her that faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain. So when you have prayed, you are taking the problem to God and trusting him with the outcome. Um, and that is all that is required of you. Uh, and you, faith as small as a mustard seed that can move a mountain. And you know what? You've trusted God and he hasn't answered in the way that you wanted to, but you're trusting him still. So the mountain that you want to move maybe hasn't moved 
But God is still doing the thing that he needs to do. And let me tell you, I think you've got faith a little bit bigger than a mustard seed now. So that's the thing that's moved. Your faith has grown. And, you know, as hard as that is, as a as a mum to pray f- for my own heart, it's hard to pray for, for my daughter too. And those are the moments where faith lives. And that ultimately is is what we're about. We're wanting faith to grow. We're wanting faith to live. If I if I if I take my right arm and, and, and tie it to my chest and I don't remove the the, 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 the the bonds for another year, when I undo it and I take my it'll be dead. It'll be limp. It, it, you know, it may never I never use it again. The fact that I use my arm means that my muscles are used and therefore it's working. And it's the same with faith. You know, God puts us in situations where we have to exercise faith. And faith is not I demand this, Lord, you've got to do it. And if I don't get it, I haven't had enough faith. Faith is simply resting in God. That's why Jesus often speaks of of, being like a child, being like a little child. Because what can a child do? Well, a child can trust someone who's bigger than them. And, you know, our kids trust us. You know, mum and dad have the solution. And then they get older, they find that mum and dad don't always have the solution. But God does. And so what is my faith? My faith is, is, is resting in God's hands. It's, it's, if you like, casting myself onto God. It's not understanding. It's not grasping every situation and understanding exactly why this is happening. But he's saying, I've got to trust God. I've got, I, I, I've got to live without an explanation necessarily. And, and um, uh, what the wonderful story about the, the man who brings his, his epileptic son to Jesus and the disciples have that. And, you know, this 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 sort prayer and fasting and you've got your fasting there but in the end what's the man's faith like i believe help my unbelief i you know I, I know you can do something jesus i don't know what it is and my faith is doubting and it's up and down but i've just i just throw myself into your arms and that's that's what faith is and i think helping kids to see that um that you don't it's not it's not on performance you know, I've been really good this week, so God's got to answer my prayers. It's not on how passionate I am in my in my prayer. It's not how great my faith is, so that I, you know, I'm going to shut my eyes and expect it to happen. You know, no, it's it's simply casting myself into the arms of God. And when I started off telling the story about the, the book, um, that was the verse that just hit me. As for God, His way is perfect. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to get it. You don't have to see how next week is going to work out or next year, how you're going to continue to be a pastor of a church with, with this problem. What you with need icing, to, sugar and stuffing. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All you've got to do, all you've got to do is trust God because he, he's in charge. You know, I give my life to him, so it's his responsibility. Paul, I was, I was going to ask that, I think, which is it might be, as a you know, as, as a casual listener to this podcast, hearing this conversation, we're thinking, "Good, okay." When when the tears come, we've got some answers now. We know to pray. At the situations you've experienced and you've seen, when it's absolutely overwhelming, when you can't work out how today is going to work, and that might come through chronic illness or death or trauma or poverty, it feels like you've given us the answer to that which is we we don't have to plan tomorrow. We can weep as though we've got nowhere to go. But Jesus is with us. Is is there a different answer, Paul, for those moments you've described when it's relentless and awful? The most difficult pain, the most difficult suffering in, in, in that Edra and I have been through is not her illness. 
It's not. The most difficult thing we've been through is the, the birth of our grandson, Abraham. He's now five years old. He's just had his fifth, fifth birthday. After a few weeks of birth, he, 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 there was something seriously wrong. We didn't know what it was, but there was something wrong. He was diagnosed with, a, with a, an illness, which has a Latin name, but the, the, the translation is smooth brain. You know, the brain looks like a, a walnut. Well, there were no, I mean, his brain didn't develop after about 20 weeks, something like that. So he has, he was born with none of the higher functions. Abe will never see, he's blind, he'll never speak, he'll never, I mean, he has less ability than a newborn baby. He's now a beautiful five-year-old little Welsh boy, because his dad is Welsh, and, and unfortunately his, his mother now supports the Welsh football uh, rugby team rather than the English football. But there you go, you know, Wales is a lovely country and that's good. Um, but, you know, at the moment of, you know, suddenly I hold this little boy in my arms and what are you going to say? Because his life expectancy is, is very short. He was very ill just before Christmas. He was admitted to hospital. They actually asked his two sisters to come in and see him because they thought this was it. Well, he got through that, but it's kind of a rehearsal. One day it will be the end. Life expectancy with this problem is, is, is fairly short. So, so what on earth do you do in that situation? Here is something that is, it's, it, 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 first of all, you're going to have to nurse him. And, and and he's never going to get any better. And then you're going to lose him. And C.S. Lewis, again, once said some, some pain, some pain is temporary. So, so you know, if, I, if I have an appendix out, I've got a scar, but that's the only visible sign. If I lose a leg, I'm going to limp for the rest of my life. I'm going to feel pain in, you know, phantom pains and so on. It's, it's life changing. And some suffering never goes away. To say to someone who's lost, lost a loved one, who is suffering with long-term chronic illness, well, of course, you know, it's going to be okay one day. That's not particularly helpful. It's there constantly. It's, it's, it's a constant problem. One of the things, I mean, we're talking about identity, aren't we? One of the things that struck me so much was the amazing dignity that this little boy has as a human being made in the image of God. But the other thing that really helped me, and I think helped helped my wife, and, and I hope my, my daughter as well, is that we spoke about his dignity, his dignity and his destiny. Um, I believe that one day we will see him as he should have been, as he would have been, without all those things that that, that, that he's gone through. I mean, I believe that we'll see him in heaven. And I think with Edry and the chronic pain that goes on and on and on and, and, and depression is another form of it that goes on and on and on. And, you know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. In the end, I think we have to think in terms of that wonderful word hope. We, we talk often about faith. We talk about love. But hope is an often neglected Christian virtue. Our hope is that one day there will be a resurrection body and one day all of those things that are heartbreaking now will be things of the past. Now, that's not just pie in the sky when you die. There's all sorts of help now for, from, from, from God for, for our present circumstances. But, but ever since Abraham was born, I think I thought and preached more about heaven than any other time in my life because I keep thinking... Yeah, there's no answer for his problem on, on on earth, but there is in heaven, and I do believe that that's 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 the that's the 
that's so much the, the the way in which the Bible story goes. If you take the Bible and you pinch out the first two chapters, there's no pain or sickness or suffering or death. If you pinch out the last two chapters, Revelation 21 and 22, yeah, there's no more pain or sickness or suffering or death. But we live in the middle of the book. We live in Genesis 3 all the way through to Revelation chapter 20, and that's full of pain. But the Bible is very careful to say that's not the final story. There is hope. And so I think when the chronic pain comes, it is to help children to think about heaven. And I, 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 I honestly think that we, we don't because we don't want to talk about death or we don't want to talk about those things or it's, you know, it's, we want comfort now. But, but to help children to understand the reality of eternal life in the presence of God where there's no pain or suffering and Jesus is with us and God himself wipes away all tears from our eyes. I think that's one of the things that we can we can emphasize and, and we need to with, with children. Paul, this has been an absolute privilege. Paul, you you um you alluded to a the, the, the birth of Abraham prompted you to write a book called An Identity to Die For. We will link to those two books in the show notes because there's there's actually it's been a relief to us as a team that you've written that book because we've written these resources on identity and one of the chapters one of the sessions for Sunday school is called I am hurting and we look at the story of Mary and Martha and the tears of Jesus that you've alluded to there's just been an issue for us as a team that when you spend your whole time banging on about identity there is this secret concern that it's you know no one else is talking about it and we're not right so your book has been a huge comfort to me that this book is is exactly what we're talking about christianity is about identity before it's about belief before it's about morality before it's about church it's who we are yeah and uh, the two books that you've written are going to be a huge help. Paul, could I ask you to pray, perhaps particularly for those people who are in the midst of that suffering now? Yeah, certainly. Uh, Father, we do thank you that we can come to you, that you don't always give us ready-made easy answers, but you give us yourself. We thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. We thank you for the identity that we have in Christ. We thank you that we belong to you, that we are connected to you, united with you by the Holy Spirit, so that nothing will ever separate us from your love. And Father, we confess that there are times when we don't feel your love, when we look at our circumstances and we can't understand what you're doing. But Lord, we do thank you that at the, the bottom line is that you are good and you are God, and you love us, and you will work out all things in the end. Father, we want to pray today for those uh, children who are struggling with pain, struggling with emotional pain, or maybe physical pain, or relational pain. We want to pray for parents to know how to minister to them, how to encourage them, how to give answers that are not glib and ready-made and just pulled off the shelf, but answers that will help those children to grow in their own faith. Lord, as we look back over our lives, we, we, we don't like the bumps that we've had to, 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 to climb over. But Lord, we thank you that, that we've grown through the bumps. We've gone through the pain. We've grown through the difficulty. That so often pain has not driven us from you, but has driven us to you that God has never been so real 
or so precious to us than in those times of heartbreak. And we pray that you would help that to be the experience of, of children that we, we minister to, whether it's in Sunday school, whether it's um, in, in youth group, whether it's in our own home as parents, whatever the circumstances. Help us to know your grace. Help us to be wise, to be honest, to be kind, to be gracious, to give them truth that will help them to know your presence and your grace. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Paul, thank you very, very much. Is there anything else you have found helpful as a parent or that you send families to to try to understand these issues, apart from what you've already mentioned? Yeah, I mean, th- th- there's a couple of books, and it depends on your level of, of you know, what, 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 what kind of things you want to read. There's a very good little book by Christopher Ashe, and then Tim Keller, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, is, is a very helpful book. I don't really want to mention it, but I've also written a book called Invest Your Disappointments, which, which deals with the same kind of area, but more specific to the disappointments. Some of the disappointments we go through as families or as churches or as individuals or you know, when we get disappointed with ourselves and when we get disappointed with God. I think that's all part of the same sort of mesh of, of questions that we, 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 we have to deal with in our, in our lives. So those kind of things I think are helpful. I, I think it'd be good for someone to write something that was specific for kids that was accessible to children that you could put into their hands. And I'm sure someone has, but I'm not, not really aware of what it is. Probably you'd know it better than I would. I would recommend, Ed, am I allowed to recommend Goodbye to Goodbyes by Lauren Chandler, which is the picture story to read with your with your child about suffering and the Mary Martha story. And of course, our podcast and resources are available. I'm going to just mention The Moon is Always Round which was written by a father in suffering for his children. So we'll put these, uh, we've each given you a few recommendations. We'll put these in the show notes. We hope there's something for everyone. Thank you. Paul, we're very, very grateful to you. And thank you for making the time in the middle of packing up your home to move house. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.